This is We Are Netflix. Netflix employees talking about work and life at Netflix. When I was little, I remember staring out my window and seeing a whole canopy of, of trees where I happened to live. And I remember thinking, okay, so we as a species are pretty much unplugging our own life support systems. Those trees are what allow me to breathe and they filter my water and they clean my air. And yet in many parts of the world, they're being cut down or the soils are dying or the air is unbreathable. Emma Stewart is our sustainability officer at Netflix. And that's the ultimate injustice of climate change is that it's a result of actions by largely the global north, the impacts of which fall on the global south, in particular BIPOC youth and women communities. And yet, if we respond and stand up to the challenge of climate change and we clean our energy sources and we do sustainable and regenerative agriculture, then actually we generate high quality jobs at a much higher rate than a fossil-based economy. We clean up the air, especially in lower income neighborhoods. We electrify transportation and make it more widely available and cheaper. And so you end up with just a more equitable, in addition to a cleaner society. And so it's a wonderful and scary moment when society is confronting these choices because one path is so rich and vibrant and just, and the other one is so dark and scary. You know, at Netflix, our mission is to entertain the world, but in order to do so, we need a habitable, stable world to entertain. That's Shannon Bart, a senior manager on our sustainability team, focusing on productions. And the science is really clear, stabilizing our climate at global warming of no more than 1.5 degrees Celsius and investing in nature will help to ensure a habitable world for generations to come. Entertain the world requires energy, and not just creative energy from our storytellers, many of whom are tackling climate change head-on in films and series they're creating. But producing those stories and all the others we offer takes the other kind of energy too, the kind that leaves a carbon footprint. And so we're investing a lot into tackling climate change. You know, another company's priority might be zero waste. Another company's priority might be no plastics, right? But our priority is really around stabilizing the climate because we do believe that that is the most important environmental issue facing us right now. And then we are focusing our strategy on those actions that will really support our productions to decarbonize and to significantly reduce their carbon footprint. I asked Shannon to describe our carbon footprint as a company. When producing a film or a series, you have to remember we are creating a world, right? We are creating this temporary world that we take a picture of and, and then we don't necessarily need it anymore. So our main impacts are the, the energy we use to power our sets. You know, we might have a film that's in a different location every day um, and we're moving all the people and the equipment from place to place. All of the costumes that we buy that we, we, you know, that you see on screen with all the materials, the props, the set dressing is what we call all of the little things that make the world look real. 
You know, we build beautiful sets and there's there's impacts with those materials. We feed a lot of people, right? There's there's impacts with with feeding a lot of people a couple meals a day. There's impacts in post-production where um, a lot of computer processing is used for visual effects for post-production. So the, the, this is just un, not unlike other businesses. Like we are we have impacts in every part of our process from the energy impacts that we directly control to those impacts from our from our supply chain, from the materials and services that we use. And it all adds up to more than half of Netflix's total carbon footprint. And your job is to help try to reduce that number. My job, yes, is to work with lots of different teams across the studio to come up with a strategy to reduce both the emissions that we have control over, those, those emissions from fuel and electricity, as well as those from our supply chain. A year ago, Netflix announced our first public climate commitment to achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions by the end of 2022, and by 2030, cut our emissions to roughly half of what it was in 2019. And keep in mind, that's at a growing company, and that target is an absolute target. That again is Emma Stewart. She holds a BA with honors from Oxford and a doctorate in environmental science policy and management from Stanford. She helped create our ambitious plan, which is called Net Zero Plus Nature. It's a strategy that combines implementing new sustainable filmmaking practices to lower our emissions, as well as offsetting any residual emissions through investing in carbon sinks. Which is kind of a funny term, but you can think of a forest or a mangrove or soils as naturally occurring carbon sinks. In fact, nature has been stabilizing the climate since long before humans showed up on this planet. And the science shows that this decade in particular is really important to invest in the protection and even restoration of those naturally occurring carbon sinks. And then the goal is to make sure that it is permanently, or at least for a very long time, stored such that it's not released into the atmosphere in the next century or so. Hello, I'm Lyle Troxell. Today on We Are Netflix, we check in on how Netflix is doing on our ambitious climate goals. My guests Emma Stewart and Shannon Bart share details on our net zero plus nature plan, what we're doing to help counter climate change. So Emma, can you explain how Netflix approaches making goals around combating climate change? We set out a a set of principles when we were first getting set up a year and a half ago. And one of those principles was to move fast, but ground everything in science. So when you start with science as your touchstone, sure, some might choose to criticize your style or how you communicate about what you're doing, but ultimately you know your actions are the right ones because they've been driven by this unprecedented level of consensus about the pace at which the climate is changing and the actions we need to take to curb that. We also, early on, set up an advisory group of experts who are unpaid, independent, world-class experts in their field, and we invited them to provoke us and to guide us and to challenge us. They come from the worlds of climate science, from policy, and from storytelling. And in addition to that smaller group with whom we have regular conversations, we've built a bench of, I think it's over 60 now, 
scientists who we can consult on a given topic, whether that's behavioral science so that we make sure to effectively frame something yeah. as well as possible or atmospheric physics or conservation genetics for our, for our nature work. And so having that panel uh, and that technical bench available to us uh, as a phone call or as a, an email is really one way to ensure that we keep ourselves honest. Yeah. Emma, from your time at other companies like Autodesk and World Resource Institute, what does that look like compared to coming to Netflix? Pretty different, uh, but it keeps you on your toes. What I found is that many people who are not steeped in the sustainability field, like my colleagues at World Resources Institute are, assume that this is simple stuff, right? You just you recycle more, uh, drive less. Um, but when they're exposed to it, I often hear things like, I had no idea how technical this space could be. Or one colleague said to me, oh my God, this is as complicated as tax law. <laughs> and so those are the moments when you realize, oh, my job is actually one of translation. And I have to take what is a very jargon-laden field that is immensely technically complex and act as a synthesizer and a translator. When you think about the types of fields and skills that's required for advancing sustainability at a company or elsewhere, it's a mix of accounting, it's a mix of public policy, economics, business, behavioral science, social psychology, genetics, uh, atmospheric physics, I could go on. And that's because earth systems are really complex and then you mix it with these pesky humans and it gets even more complex. So our team has deep technical experts in hydrogen, in energy efficiency, in carbon credits and ecology, in electric mobility, greenhouse gas accounting. And my job is to synthesize, be uh, reasonably conversant in each of those areas, and then to really help those who aren't steeped in this topic, which by definition is most people uh, at the company, because this is not their job nor their area, and translate it, make it feel accessible and actionable uh, for our colleagues. Wow, that sounds like a challenging job. Who do you talk with in the company? Who are you communicating with to try to level up their awareness of this complexity or the work we have to do in this, in this complex field? Well, because sustainability touches all parts of a business and all, all lives at some point, there's actually, I, I can't identify a team in the company we haven't spoken to. Wow. We're supporting the consumer products team, the content team, the internal audit team, the accounting team, the corporate real estate team, the studio team, the vendor strategy team, um, the content acquisition team, the marketing team, the publicity team. So in that sense, it's great fun yeah. because we know so many people from across the company and we hope that they view us now as a partner and as a resource that they can come to for some of these technical skills. So what is Netflix's commitment to climate change and why is it so important for us as a company? Well, first and foremost, our members tell us that this is a topic near and dear to their heart. And so to create member joy and to build community and conversation, this is a really wonderful and rich area in which to connect with our members. 
Our employees are also very passionate about this and have been wonderful supporters of the sustainability office since it was set up, but also long before it existed as a centralized team. It's also just good business because when you look for carbon or emissions, you often find waste. They go hand in hand. Could we find energy efficiency opportunities in our facilities and in our studios so that we're not wasting money on energy we didn't need in the first place? So those are the sorts of cost-saving opportunities. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you have the requirements increasingly coming out of various governments. As a global company, we're subject to many of them that require us to measure our carbon footprint, disclose it, get it audited, and also set targets to reduce it. And then lastly, our investors ask us on a regular basis to disclose our carbon footprint and our climate targets to understand our climate risks and opportunities. And so it's largely now just an expectation of business. Yeah, that makes sense. One of our approaches to sustainability is the power of storytelling uh, with films and documentaries like Don't Look Up and Our Planet. Um, how do stories like Don't Look Up and Our Planet make a difference? They make an immense difference. You can think of it as Netflix has a physical footprint, our environmental footprint, and we have a cultural footprint, like anyone in the creative industry does. One of my favorite quotes is from a very well-regarded conservation scientist named Peter Kariva, and he says, science tells us what to do, while storytelling makes us want to do it. And what we found in analyzing our own audiences was that in one year alone, 160 million households around the world chose to watch at least one story on Netflix that helped them better understand sustainability challenges and solutions. And in a consumer insight survey, we found that two thirds of our audience members and prospective members told us they would like to see more stories that touch on sustainability and climate topics. So as a business, we want to be responsive to that need and create that member joy and build the community and conversation that these titles clearly can spark. Don't Look Up was one example of a film that very artfully tapped into a zeitgeist that was already out there in the world, which was the 80% of people who are alarmed and concerned about climate change, frustrated by the inaction, which is exactly the plot and climate allegory of the film, and in many cases saw themselves on screen. Those of us trained as scientists found the film very cathartic. You know, here were scientists trying to convey inconvenient truths, to use Al Gore's term and assuming that those in power would act on that scientific consensus and finding that, in fact, uh, greed or, or politics got in the way. So how certain is this? There's 100% certainty of impact. Please, don't say 100%. Do we just call it a potentially significant event? But it isn't potentially going to happen. 99.78% to be exact. Oh, great. Okay, so it's not 100%. I'm gonna call it 70% and let's just, let's move on. And so the scientific community came out from the woodwork. They don't normally review films and they don't generally come out and make creative commentaries, but the scientific community came out in droves 
uh, to say this is exactly what it's felt like. Greenhouse gas effects were actually discovered in 1867. We've known about them for that long. This is not a new discovery. And almost every year, if not more frequently, scientific evidence and consensus grows and builds to show that this is incontrovertibly uh, a human-induced phenomenon. And it's just a question of do we have the collective will to act on it? Because the outcomes would be more jobs, cleaner air, healthier diets, happier children. And so it's really a fork in the road for humanity and that makes for wonderful stories. So now let's turn our attention back to the production of those stories. Again, Shannon Bart. In the world of sustainability, it's easy to try to tackle everything at once. And, and it's important to not boil the ocean in a sense, right? Like we, you really want to prioritize your efforts. And we are really leaning into the climate science to prioritize our sustainability strategy. So at Netflix, we've set a science-based target, which means that it is informed by what the climate scientists say is necessary to avoid this increase in temperature and catastrophic climate change. And our science-based target commits us to reducing those emissions that are in our control, those from fuel and electricity, by 45% by the end of this decade, by 2030, compared to where we were in 2019. And so Netflix is a growing company, and we are working towards reducing those at an absolute level. So we want to be using less fuel and less have less emissions from electricity by the end of this decade, even as a larger company that we hope to be, versus 2019. And so that that gives us a very clear focus, right? Like we yeah. are focusing on the fuel we use on productions, how we power our sets, the energy that we're sourcing and using. And we are approaching it with this framework of optimize, electrify, decarbonize. And that really helps us prioritize the order at which we tackle our energy consumption, as well as manage the costs associated with that, right? So like the, the very first thing you want to do is optimize your energy use. You can do that through being just really energy efficient, whether it's using more LED set lighting to light our sets, highly efficient set lights, using our vehicles in a more efficient way. And then once you are as efficient as possible, the second step is electrify. So where can we electrify those vehicles? And how can we electrify the power we're bringing to set? Instead of having a diesel generator, let's bring in a mobile battery and, and not have to burn fuel to make that electricity there. And then finally, the last step is decarbonize. So let's make sure that the electricity we are procuring is from low or no carbon sources. We are piloting low and no carbon fuels as well. For our environmental social governance report, we are including also companies we buy, the production companies that are not directly owned by us, or are we, it is like our complete impact? Correct. Yes. So in our net zero plus nature climate target, we are including all Netflix branded content. Okay. So we are, we are accounting for our emissions associated with those productions that we directly produce, sure. as well as those that are produced um, by third-party companies, as well as those emissions that would have been associated with the production of licensed content that is Netflix branded. 
are we changing part of the industry to, to be more green? Are we leading in that effort? Yeah, well, we definitely see industry collaboration as a, a key part to our sustainability strategy. This is not changing the whole industry is not something we're going to do alone. And we are members of industry organizations. Uh, for example, uh, in the United States, we're members of the Sustainable Production Alliance. And in the UK, we're members of Albert that's created under BAFTA. So there are industry organizations that are looking at this topic. We are participating in them. There's also yeah. groups in Canada that we have joined as well. And so um, as we discover the solutions and and build our strategy, we will share that with our peers. That's why, you know, in our ESG report that just came out, we do detail our sustainability strategy and where we're going to be focusing our energy. And we've shared that, you know, with our, our peers as well, because we do believe that we'll be most successful if we help the whole industry take steps towards in this direction. And as Netflix, we are engaging with a number of our partner managed productions, we call them those that are produced by third parties um, at different levels, depending on the country. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're really focusing on finding what solutions we think will be the best solutions now and then working to bring them to scale so they can benefit everyone. I'm really curious how this impacts our actual productions when we decide to make a change. Do you have an example of us making a change to our environmental impact on a production, like a title I might know? Yes. There, we, we've had some successful pilots on a, title, on a title you might know. I'm not sure if you've heard of Bridgerton. I have. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> During the production of season two, uh, we really wanted to reduce the production's emissions as well as the reliance on diesel generators. And diesel generators are very common in TV and film production. And so first we increased the amount of grid power available at their that production stages and enrolled them in a local renewable energy program. Then we piloted, well, they were shooting on location where they would have to rely on diesel generators. There's those not, beautiful buildings. There's, be, there's this beautiful, yeah. I don't know if castle is the right word, oh, um, but it, it's this beautiful location that they went to in season two we brought in a, we tested a Geopura hydrogen power unit. Oh, wow. So we brought in this unit. It powered a lot of the areas needed behind the scenes. And what's so great about the hydrogen power unit is that when you have a typical diesel generator, the the byproducts, are, it's, it's smelly, you know, it's spewing out carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, and other types of air pollution. The byproduct of a hydrogen power unit is pure water. Um, which actually some people even drink, and they made some some <laughs> coffee out of it. Um, and and this this hydrogen power unit provided so much reliable power that our production team just kept switching off diesel generator after diesel generator. So of course it kept getting quieter while you're at this beautiful estate as well. Oh, nice. <laughs> are the, are the hydrogen units quieter than diesel generators? They the hydrogen units are not silent. I'm mm. I'm told that they are quieter. Okay, um, well that's a good. That's a good story of like right on set at Bridgerton. That's awesome. Yeah. And we and so, you know, that pilot was so successful that we're now increasing those pilots and we're we're piloting more hydrogen units on productions in the UK now in 2022. I'm glad you brought up silence because as you can imagine on a film set, having a quiet or silent source of power is incredibly important. And we are piloting a clean tech solution that is silent in the form of large mobile batteries. Um, we piloted them on a number of productions last year, and often they did replace daily generator uses and reduce generator hours. For example, cool. on Virgin River Season 4, these electric battery pilots reduced generator fuel use by 20%, oh, and that was during a pilot. And, and there were times 
on that production and others where this battery was able to be placed right next to set, right next to camera, where you could never place a diesel generator, right? Because it's noisy, it's smelly. Um, but, but these batteries just provide that additional level of production agility. That is also really great to see. That's cool. Are there any other things that we're doing with new tech that allows us to reduce our footprint in a way that I wouldn't think of, like kind of surprising? Well, Netflix is starting to use a technique called virtual production, mm -hmm. where we create this incredible digital world on a soundstage, and then the actors can interact with that world um, instead of a green screen, for example. And it's, it's a new technique. It's a very cool technique. And we didn't start using virtual production because of sustainability benefits, right? This is a very cool creative tool. But the benefits are that we can bring our cast and our crew anywhere in the world that we want to without traveling them, right? We mm -hmm. don't need lots of trucks and generators to bring them to remote locations. We don't need to fly them. We can bring those remote locations to our soundstage. And so there's definitely a sustainability benefit. How do you structurally kind of push down to everybody? There's somebody's job to get power on a remote set, right? It's their job. They've been in the industry for 10 years. They worked on multiple productions. I don't know what job they are in, but somebody's got to hire that diesel generator or three of them, whatever, for the set. How do you get that person aware that we want to try to change? I've, I've seen a lot of, of those folks on the ground that are currently running the diesel generators embracing the new technology, right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're not displacing their job. We're, we're giving them new tools, right? We're always going to need power managers, people who are managing the power on the set, whether it's coming from a diesel generator or a battery or hydrogen power unit, that's, that's, um, that's might not matter. Really what matters is that we have someone there that's managing this power. And so when they see that, you know, they might have more flexibility because this is now silent, they can place it closer to set than they could have placed a diesel generator. When they see that this new technology where it works and maybe where it doesn't work yet, right? It's not perfect yeah. yet. It's not a perfect one, one to one replacement yet. But when they start seeing the future, I think we just really want to get them excited. I like to compare it to two major transformations that have happened recently in, in the film industry. One is the transition from film to digital, right? That happens slowly. And then all of a sudden, all at once, we were, we were shooting beautiful, beautiful content on really amazing digital cameras versus the type of content that historically you would have only thought to shoot on film. And, and the jobs shifted around that, right? Um, sometimes there was retraining that happened but really the departments um, embrace that new technology. Same with LED set lighting. You know, that, that was a new idea 10 years ago. The idea that you could have an LED source look good on camera on a set light. And now it's, it's, it's becoming very standard. It is, the, it is the chosen technology for many DPs and, and lighting technicians and gaffers because there's so much control that they can do with an LED light. You know, they can dim it remotely. They can change the color remotely. Um, it provides a lot of control. So I do think that these clean mobile power solutions will become just a really great improved power tool. Yeah, you know, put some numbers on that. LEDs are about 75% more energy efficient than incandescent lights. One of my jobs right out of college is working on HMI lighting, which is an arc type lighting, which is much less efficient than incandescent or an LED. And it's taken a lot of time, and that was 20 years ago or more. It's taken a lot of time for the industry to shift and change. So we're looking at a lot of areas where we can make these kind of improvements. Yes, we're going to be transitioning to, to clean mobile power. We're going to be transitioning to electric vehicles. 
That is really important. Actually, the majority of our fuel use on production is from the vehicles that we use. Yeah. And I don't know if you've driven an electric car. It's really fun. I have one. They're yeah, quiet. I have one too. Yes, they're quiet. They they accelerate great. You know, they so um but we are not a normal business, right? We don't drive the same place every night. So so we are gonna have to figure out how do we transition and really start to increase the amount of electric vehicles, vans and trucks on our productions in a way that works for our, our operations. But that that is part of our strategy. This this looks like it's important to the entire company. And it's at the C-suite level where we have this a mandate and we make sure we talk about this in, in every way. Do you see it come up in general meetings when we're kicking off for production with, you know, we want to give a lot of artistic freedom to our creatives. Do we talk about it at every level? Is it is it brought up a bit? We actually have a dedicated sustainability onboarding meeting that happens. And so we we do meet with the line producer and unit production manager and um, and the production team as they start their production. Okay, great. And we, and we talk about it then. Since I'm focused on the production side, I'm not always in the creative meetings. Um, right. So I'm not exactly sure exactly how much it, it gets brought up in creative meetings, but we do definitely bring it up in the phys- on the physical production side, for sure. Yeah. All right, let me ask you, you, you have a career in this space, in sustainability and, co- and companies, and actually in media, over 10 years in this space. What are, are we doing anything different than the general industry has been doing? Are we, are we tackling this in a slightly different way, or is there something that we're that's interesting about how we're doing it? Well, our sustainability strategy, including that for our productions, is informed by climate science. And, and so we are very climate forward and climate focused in how we're engaging with our productions and where we are putting our energy. So at Netflix, we believe that we're beyond the days of focusing on plastic water bottles and recycling programs and where we're really putting our efforts is towards finding the solutions that will help our productions significantly reduce the amount of fossil fuels they use and then bring those solutions to scale. What's the other reason companies would hire you, for example, so sustainability if it's not science-based reasoning on impact? Well, I think in production for a long time, and and green production has been a thing for over a decade. I've been in this space for over a decade. There, there was a lot of just focus on the visible, on what you can see and what you feel like you can change easily, right? So those individual actions of, oh, let's ban plastic water bottles. Let's um, make sure we're recycling and composting everywhere. And those aren't bad things to do. It's just what we are focusing on is maybe some of the less visible things, but more higher impact. So we are taking that science-based approach. We're saying, okay, so where where are the carbon emissions that we should really be focusing on? Right. You know, single-use plastics are not great. We definitely want to reduce them. We don't need to use them if we don't need to use them. But they are not the largest driver of our carbon footprint. So we want to look at it, even though even though it might be easy to have a campaign where we get rid of all plastic use inside our business office hours or whatever, right? That doesn't necessarily have the biggest impact. So we're going for, even if it's dif- difficult, where is the biggest impact that we can make? Exactly. We are on focusing on okay. climate science. Like what is, yeah. like we... You know, another company's priority might be zero waste. Another company's priority might be no plastics, right? But our priority is really around stabilizing the climate because we do believe that that is the most important environmental issue facing us right now. And then we yeah. are ta- we are focusing our strategy on those actions that will really support our productions to decarbonize and to significantly reduce their carbon footprint. 
We talked a bit about travel virtualization, virtual uh, sets. Maybe we travel less. Um, we're, we're got, we've gotten good at that the last couple of years working remotely. We talked a lot about power on set and diesel and a little bit of transportation uh, for trucks and stuff. For you across the entire board, what's the challenging thing that you think we need to tackle next? Like, what, do you, what are you feeling like, oh, this is the hot one? Is it spreading those out and getting everybody to be thinking about those? Or is there something else that feels like, oh, that'd be a big win for us if you could attack it? Well, you know, we've piloted electric passenger vehicles. Um, but I, I think our, our one of our biggest focus areas is, is bringing in electric vans, medium-duty trucks, and heavy-duty trucks. Like, we, we have not... We're not there yet, right? Like we have not yeah. figured that out completely. We, we we have a strategy. We're going to be relying heavily on the electrification of our production fleet, but that really it's um, it will have its challenges. But we do believe that it's possible, and, and that's yeah. So that's what you're looking forward to the next couple of years. Oh, definitely, to really definitely. We'll yeah. we'll keep working on our clean mobile power solutions. We'll keep working on the electrification of production fleets and the infrastructure that both of those need to succeed. Right. We, sure. we need to um, increase charging infrastructure at the studios where we operate. We need to um, continue to identify and bring to scale the best power solutions. And, and so that's really where we're focusing our energy. The fleet problem or vans, small trucks being electrified, it feels like as, a, as an American, I don't see that at all here. But in Europe, I know that in the UK, there are vehicles that are full electric vans that are being used quite a bit. Um, are you seeing it easier to do some of these things in different areas? And are you getting frustrated that some regions don't have the kind of infrastructure necessary to, to switch? Yes. In the UK, there are some more, there's more clean mobile power solutions right now. And we are quickly seeing more electric van solutions come to play there. Although that said, we are still have, having some success piloting this equipment in Canada and in the U.S., it's definitely challenging to figure out how to accelerate this transition to electric trucks in the context of production. We have unique challenges in the sense that we don't have the same delivery route every day. We don't necessarily park at the same place every night, but we are a very creative industry, right? You know, if we can figure out how to do a crazy action scene where you have a train and a helicopter and multiple cars and explosions and people and do it safely, like. I think we can figure out the challenge of transitioning to electric trucks. Yeah. To learn more about our efforts to counter climate change, you can visit sustainability.netflix.com. In fact, Emma Stewart has written a blog post there detailing our progress so far on our Net Zero Plus Nature plan. I want to thank her as well as Shannon Bart for joining me today. Beyond Netflix is hosted by Lyle Troxell. He's a senior software engineer at Netflix. You can keep up with We Are Netflix on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. To learn more about careers at Netflix, go to jobs.netflix.com.